0: The 2020 BYU men's volleyball team was 17 and 1 and the new number one team in the country before COVID-19 ended the season. This is the story of the highs. Will Stanley in his homecoming match finishes the deal for the Cougars. The lows and everything in between. This is unfinished business.
1: This is a BYU Sports Nation special. Unfinished business. The story of the 2020 Men's Volleyball Team, presented by the BYU Store. Now from the Smithfield House in Provo, Utah, here's Jerem Jordan.
0: Welcome to Unfinished Business, the story of the 2020 BYU Men's Volleyball Team, and what a season it was. 17-1, and one, we'll dive into all the details, we'll talk to the four All-Americans, we'll recap the season, including the epic matches at Hawaii, number two versus number one, how COVID-19 Ended the season abruptly and where this team fits in BYU history. And to help me do so, my longtime partner calling the matches on BYU TV, Steve Ail, and the head coach, Sean Olmstead. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay, let's chat about this season. 17-1, and one, You're number one when the season ends. Uh, you have the National Player of the Year, I think off the block, uh, gave out seven awards. I think BYU won five of them. This was an amazing year, Steve, and one that we'll never forget.
1: Absolutely. And that's the thing. The weird part about it is coming into the season. It's like, what's going to happen? Are we going to? Everyone kept asking me, hey, how's BYU looks here? I'm like, I don't know. They're returning all the same guys. So I guess we'll see. We didn't know how hard they worked in the offseason. Maybe they knew how good they were, but we're kind of like, well, I don't know. We'll just cross our fingers and hope for the best. And wow, did we get the best or not? Jeez. Yeah.
0: two thousand and nineteen you 're thirteen and twelve. It, it was a different kind of season, and
2: then bang, with a very similar roster, you turn this thing around, Sean, what changed? Uh, no, all credit to the guys. you know at the end, it comes down to those guys, and uh, there was definitely some sort of uh, sour or leftover taste in their mouth from the previous season. Uh, I think they understood that, that there was more to be to be had, more they could have accomplished, and, and certain things they wanted back so it 's a credit to the guys. They really put in the work in the offseason. Uh, those that were here on campus, we saw that every day. Uh, a handful of our guys had, were able to go get international experience overseas. That's a, that's a real important uh, kind of building block for those guys to be around, surrounded by professionals, big, strong, physical guys like themselves where they can, they can learn by just being a part of practice, watching. You end up having,
0: according to Off the Block, the best server, the best opposite, same player. Uh, national player of the year in uh, Gabi Garcia-Fernandez. You have the best outside hitter in Davide Gardini. You have the best setter in Will Stanley. Zach Eschenberg ends up being a, an honorable mention All-American. At what point did you realize that this could be something very special with the same group as the year before?
2: You know, I, I started, I think the guys, they'll go to, you know, the first weekend on the road. But I believe we started to see these glimpses in practice. Because uh, you see that as coaches, at, at times you don't know if you can gauge depending on practice. But there's definitely times where you believe, okay, we can gauge that. Hey, we're becoming a pretty good team. But then we had a we had a fall tournament down to uh, Las Vegas where we ha- we had Pepperdine down there, and uh, I-, I believe the guys there started to see, okay, you know, uh, we we've got something something we can work with, you know, and and definitely we'll get to, I'm sure that that first weekend on the road against the likes of Loyal and Lewis, where the guys came away from that very confident. Um, but, but they felt that and they could feel in practice that energy and that vibe and that competition. And they could see that, Hey, uh, we've got a good group here to work with. And, and, as you name off all those awards that's why you know my answer is it's it's the guys they're the they're they're the magic you know and and it's the guys steve when did you feel like byu was the best team in the country
1: um you know kind of like what sean was saying first part of the year so okay they they beat number six they beat number 11 um i think it was when santa barbara came into town and that was just a hard fought match uh Especially the second night, right? You went five, barely one, I think, in five. But it was such a a hard fought battle. There's a time in in each set where it's kind of like gut check time, like towards the end of of that set. And when things are tight, you really kind of get a sense for the character of the team, of the individual. And they just kept getting it done. And it was really, really cool. And so, That was a big one for me. Even the win against uh, Irvine was a big one. But, yeah, after that Santa Barbara one, I was like, man, I I haven't seen Hawaii, but these guys are amazing. So, I don't know. That's kind of where I thought that. There came a point
0: a few weeks in where I started to vote BYU number one in the media poll, and I felt, well, I have a pretty biased opinion, right, working for BYU, but I felt like BYU was the best team. And I think that had to do with the schedule. Hawaii played a tremendous schedule as well, but it wasn't close to what you put together, Sean. And that's something BYU's always done. And, and you guys go 13 and one, I think, against final top of team ranked teams. Um, this team was tested this season and you guys proved you were the best team.
2: Yeah. And they were tested, uh, on the road. You've got to go win on the road. And that was something that last year's team really struggled with, you know. And so I believe the guys, um, uh, I can't speak for them. And, and I believe that after that first weekend, again, you know, Lewis and Loyola, um, they, they came home and we had a good Penn State team here. And then going on the road against Irvine, who, that's a strong program. It's always been a, ma- uh, a weekend that I think we kind of split there usually, you know, at Irvine. And uh, the guys just, what we saw in their maturity and their cohesiveness as a group, we saw that just come together even more where every day in practice, they were focused together as a group. They were holding each other accountable. And, and you start to see that de- to develop on great, in, in great teams. And you saw it in the matches too, you know, getting in positions where maybe their back was against the wall a little, you know, instead of just going, going away and trying to hope that, hope a point comes here or there, you know, the guys really stayed together. They trusted each other and kind of built off those moments.
0: The depth was tremendous. Uh, the growth from a lot of guys was tremendous. And there were injuries to be had, and we'll break that down, uh, you know, before the season, during the season. But what was special, Steve, is we saw just for the third time in BYU history a national player of the year. And Gabby Garcia-Fernandez was unbelievable.
1: He really was. And, and that's the thing. Kind of BYU is known for having amazing opposites with Antonetti and, and Joe Hillman and Mike Wall. But, man, I don't, there's something about Gabby and his ability just absolutely detonate when he swings and hits that ball. Whether he's back row, front row, or at the service line, it's an impressive thing. And it's watching those aces just get, that tally just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You don't really recognize it until you start looking on paper or when we're doing the broadcast and we're seeing the names of these just amazing players throughout the years and Gabby just keeps doing this and now he's right there underneath Taylor who's just, you know, Good heavens, that kid's amazing. So it's it's pretty cool. Like I, I watch Gabby, and it's just kind of one of those things where the guy just it's like his middle name is the answer. You know, it's pretty cool.
0: It was the truth, the answer, uh, right, right. Puerto Rican Automatic. bomber, like yeah, whatever you want <laughs> to say. say. And Sean, for just the second time in BYU history, three first-team All-Americans. That was a big deal with Davide Gardini, yeah. Will Stanley, and then Zach Eschenberg is honorable
2: mention. Yeah, and. Uh, so deserving each one of those guys and we, we talk all the time about these guys and their goals and we talk about it throughout the fall you know what do you want to do as a team and individually and, and communicate with those guys what those things are and we talk about these awards that you know in the end uh, I go back to my experience I, I still remember it being on the floor at the pyramid when the All-Americans were announced we're at the final four and Carl came up to us as a group and said hey you're an All-American and you're you know he, he kind of Back then, that's how they maybe announced to Carl that they're going to be getting that award tonight. I think it was before the banquet. And what stood out to me always, and I've always shared it with the guys, is Carl immediately turned to us guys that were kind of the second stringer, third stringer, and just said, if you guys weren't here every day, these guys wouldn't be able to be in this position. You know." And so we had that in our gym, that, the depth you're referring to. And those guys were pushing each other every day. And, and we, we would separate our starting guys, have them go against each other more than bringing our starting group together. We would do that more so that Davide and Gabby were going against each other and, and Esh was on the other side. And, and so that really allowed our team and built our team uh, that competitiveness and, and that depth. It was an amazing season for sure. We'll continue to break it down coming up.
0: The three All-American pin hitters will join us as Unfinished Business rolls on.
1: Unfinished Business is presented by Deseret First Credit Union. You know why. We show how. And Intermountain Healthcare. Healing for life.
0: Welcome back to Unfinished Business. It's my privilege now to chat with not one, not two, but three All-American pin haters. They are Gabi Garcia-Fernandez, Davide Gardini, and Zach Eschenberg. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Okay, what an amazing season. 17-1. You guys finish as the number one team in the country how would you characterize Gabby uh, how the season went for the 2020 team It was a special season
3: to be honest it was a it was a really special season from all the way from September to like when it ended with the virus. Um, it was a very special season to like grow as like players and like human beings you know we we really got into knowing each other better as a like as a personal like human you know um, other than that other than that it was a great performance by us and although I'm being realistic and uh, a lot of people worked extremely hard like in the weight room, in the classroom, in the court, you know, and everything just came together at the end and
0: we were successful. Day, this was essentially the same team as last year. So what really changed for you guys this season?
4: I think it was mostly us understanding that things would have not come like just because we wanted to, but we had to work hard for it. Thing that last year we lacked a little bit so this year we came back and like from september we just were all into this thing and we wanted to win and we worked hard for that and you know when you do that you feel comfortable and when you start playing and the, the season starts you're like you're confident because you know you put that work in so you know it's gonna come at some point it's gonna show up and we did that and it worked pretty well for us so it was just a different vibe in the group and It's what
0: brought us to where we were at the end of the season. And Zach, you at one point before the season weren't even expected to play, or you're going to redshirt, and then you end up having your best season as a Cougar. You're an honorable mention All-American.
5: Yeah, I mean, that was really interesting because I was going through the whole fall and even winter break, like, still throwing it up in my mind. I didn't didn't know if I was going to play. I didn't know if I was going to redshirt. Obviously, the competitive nature of me is like, no, I want to play now. Like, like, I love these guys, and I just want to go compete with them. But like, okay, maybe I, you know, just try and get better this season and come back next year. And now I, you know, have an opportunity to essentially have done both.
0: (laughs) I mean, oftentimes a team will have, say, maybe one All-American. The fact that you have three on the pins is pretty special. Gabby, what does that mean to you to have played with two other guys smashing the ball all year?
3: I mean, it's great to be honest. It's uh, it's really like you feel like really like motivated too at the same time because like um, I'm an opposite hitter, I have to be facing this guy in practice, you know, and then like I have to be facing that guy too, you know, like because Sean will do that to us, um, so like, we can play together and like it's, like we're making each other better every day. And to be and at the end, it's like that guy deserves an All-American, you know, and like he, that this guy deserves an All-American because. It's like, it was really special all the time. It was like, okay, we're going to get better and we're going to, like, get after each other. It wasn't like, okay, get better on our own. Me and David talk talked trash a lot. Like, I talked trash with a sack and he did it back. So it was really special. So, like, it's really, um, it's like, I'm really proud of those guys for being in this team. I'm really, like, grateful that, like, they're my team. That too.
0: Okay, let's walk through the season. So you start off going to Loyola, Chicago, and Lewis, they're both ranked in the top uh, 11. What do you guys remember from that road trip to start the year?
4: For me, uh, yeah, going there after the game against Lewis was the first time that I actually realized how good this team was because, you know, you have a long preseason where you don't play against anyone. So once you start playing and you see how you how well you play against Loyola and then Lewis, it's just, wow, like, we are this good. We can do great things. So for me, it was
0: like, the moment when I realized we were very good this year. Lewis ends up top five, so that's a, that's a great win, that's right? That's a good win. Gabi, there was a run where I think in the fourth set against, was it Lewis? Uh, it's 21-21. You go four in a row? Yeah. To end that? What do you remember from that? <clears throat> I mean,
3: I just remember, so me and my the assistant coach, Mike and it, have this, like, connection. Like, everything he sees me, like, I know what he wants me to do type of thing. Um, and I feel like everybody has that with the coaches. So, like, I went, like, I took the ball and I looked towards, like, the coaches. And he goes, like, like, go for it. And I just, like, pound, you know. Like, I just say, like, I'm just going to throw this ball in the air and I'm going to put it in somebody's face, you know. And it didn't happen like that, but I did, like. Sometimes. So- sometimes, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, sorry, guys, you know. But um, but it was uh, it was very special, you know. Like, it was the mentality I I went back at the line was not like Gabby either like don't miss or like try to be the star right now. It was like Gabby like put really good pressure on these guys and trust the guys in front of the net to like do their job, you know? And that's what what happened all the time, you know? It was uh, not trying to be a hero, just trying to be like the best teammate you can be.
0: Okay, later you play Mount Olive, a team that not a lot of people have heard of, not a city that a lot of people have heard of. It's in North Carolina. This ends up being a match, uh, two matches that you guys sweep, but it ended up being very meaningful to uh, the team. And hundreds of Cougar fans drove to this match and showed up for both, uh, both games.
3: Yeah, um, to be honest, uh, I saw the schedule like, that Sean like, gave us, and we see Mount Olive, and I don't know anything about this. it's like, Mount Olive, where is it? He goes, North Carolina, you know. I'm going to be like, oh, it's going to be like, kind of cool, you know. But we get there, and then we find ourselves in the middle of nowhere. You know, like, this, the, it's a school in the middle of nowhere. And then we're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like, I, we don't feel like the vibe, there's going to be a lot of crowd and all that. So it's just going to be like a nice game against these guys and they're going to get that experience of playing against us and we're going to get that experience of uh, playing against them. Um, all of a sudden, like, we go to the match and we see people come in with blue shirts. And blue shirts and little kids and, like, grandparents and, and like, everything and, like, Okay, it's a good crowd, like Cougar fans, like Cougar Nation is very big around the world and there's going to be like a couple of people. Now all of a sudden when we end the warm-up and we're actually in the game and it's packed. Like this side, the left side of the, of our like bench is like packed with Cougar fans. Like screaming and everything and then we're like, wow. To be in the middle of nowhere, they drove like so far and then so like, we want to see the volleyball team so much, that energy. Uh, they came and, like, packed them out,
0: all of games. And it was very special for us. And you had eight aces in the first match, and apparently there's some funny stories of what people said. Uh, what, was, what was said by players and fans? I mean, this oh, guys can say more, I guess.
3: There was, yeah, there were a few
4: fans that were, like, at the beginning when he went back to serve, and he started, like, getting, like, a few serves in there, you know, they tried to, like, mess with him and get him, like, to miss. But that didn't work, so they started, like, asking Sean, to pull him off like the court because he was like too good at that point. We were like, please, just like, get him off the court. Can you sub him off or something like that? That was actually fun. Like We were all laughing on the court, even if we were not supposed to. But
5: <laughs> Yeah, one of the guys was actually a guy that I played against in high school. This is his younger brother was on the Mount Olive team. And one of the things he was saying and shouting was, he was just like, it was almost like begging with Gabby just to underhand the ball over. To take something off of it, and he he was literally just like, "Gabby, please, come on, man, just give us a chance." (laughs) Like it was, it was awesome. And you know, you're on the court trying to stay composed, but you're hearing this, and you're trying not to like crack a smile. So it worked. It got you a little bit, yeah, a little bit. It
3: it gets you no, and and it gets me a little bit too, because like as like athletes, like all around, we're used to like people like trash talking us that we can ignore them, but once they like get really nice with us and they're, like, like cracking up jokes with you, like, it's really hard to, like, not laugh or, like,
0: actually hear it. So, like, you like, just gave all opposing fans the key to cracking you, right? <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of yes and no, you know? Say nice um, things! Yeah. So, like, he was like, Gabby,
3: I ask you, please, just underhand the ball. And, then, and, and I'm like... This is very funny right now, but I cannot laugh because I'm about to say (laughs) it.
0: So, yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. And the pictures were really cool from that, and uh, what an experience for you guys. Then you go to UC Irvine, and it was a unique situation. On the weekend, you're out in North Carolina, and then you play a Wednesday-Friday. So I think you leave, what, Tuesday morning or something for Irvine, and you're there all week. Irvine's number six. You're still figuring out how good are we, how good are we. You guys go get two four-set wins that were really meaningful. Davide, what do you remember from beating the anteaters twice on the road.
4: I remember that that was a very long trip for us. We left on Tuesday and we just came back from Mount Olive the week before. So we left on Tuesday and we came back on Sunday morning. So it was a long trip and we needed to stay focused. We, we knew that the hotel there is super nice. There is a lot of like things that like could be distractions. But we did an amazing job. I feel all around, like all the guys, even the guys that played a little less than others, they were as focused as everyone else, and that's like the good thing about us this year. So when we when we started playing them, they, we knew they were a good team. They did some pretty good things against us, blocking wise. But we just started playing our game with a lot of fans too. A lot of people showed up and we we got it done two days in a row and it was an amazing feeling and after that i remember will talking to me our setter and he was like dude if we can play like this on the road and do it all over again like do it every time we are gonna be a very
0: good team this year and we're gonna do something special and i'm like i agree (laughs) okay later on you host some epic matches here at home uh with uc santa barbara you're two, they're three. This is a big matchup. Again, we continue to feel like, okay, how good is BYU? How good is BYU? First night you went in four, the next night you went in five, but uh, th- those were some validating wins as well. And then Davide, that's kind of the hit of the year from you, right behind the head. <laughs> what do you remember from that?
4: Yeah, I remember we were not. I couldn't find my rhythm with Will that night. We we're a little off, and then in that transition, he sent me very, like off the net. That is what we don't want to do. But he just missed that, and so I saw the ball behind me, and I'm like, hey, what can I do with this? And I'll I'll try something. I usually tip that from behind my back. But that one, I'm like, hey, it's too far. If I tip it, it's going to go in the net. So let's just try something new. And it worked. That was like a little bit of luck. I tried it. It worked. So (laughs) nobody was happy at that point. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, what happened there? You guys didn't really celebrate
5: it hard with him. Zach, what happened? Uh, Honestly, I think we were all just shocked. I mean, obviously, it was a really tight moment. And so, to see something odd, crazy, and, and we know Davide likes to mess around in practice and do that kind of stuff, but for him to pull it out in a game that was so close, we were all like, we didn't know if he was doing it on purpose, or if it was, like, an accident, or, like, what was going on, but we kind of just had to, like, to refocus and go to the next point, point. and then afterwards, we talked to Ted about it, and we were like, like, what, what happened there? Like, what were you doing? <laughs> like, why did you do that? It went viral. It's still viral. I mean, yeah. people shared it on the
0: internet. It was yeah, pretty it special.
3: Was, it was crazy, you know. Like, at the core, like, I, I went to, like, hit, do my approach and everything. I see David doing that. And I'm, like, walking towards the middle when we're going to meet. And I'm still, like, processing what was happening, you know. Like, I was like, did this guy just, like, hit a ball, like, behind his head, line perfectly, and then, like, it was like, at the same time, it was like, this is something Davide do, you know? Like, like, if I try that, I'll probably break my shoulder or something like that, but this is something like Davide does, so, like, that kept me, like, in the, in the like, situation, you know? It's like, oh, Davide does this. Um, but everybody was confused. Like, like our, even our bench, like, it took them a while to celebrate, too. It was like... Yeah.
0: You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, was, I think uh, I said, it, what in the world? Was, yeah, I didn't know, you know how to react in the, either blade, in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
3: it's, it's something you say, but, like, uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty fun match.
0: Okay, let's move into Mountain Pacific Sports Federation play. You play at home, UCLA and Pepperdine, the big rivals. These are a couple of teams you did beat last year here, but these were big matches. Uh, Dane and Jima. Jima uh, comes back, and Pepperdine was tough. Uh, what do you guys remember from starting conference play on the right note? Uh, I mean, we were excited, you know, like,
3: we played a lot of, like, you know, matches to, like, get himself in rhythm and everything, but, like, um, one of the biggest, like, we had goals as a team, you know, like, we were, like, win the conference, and then after win the conference, national championship, we were, like, very, like, focused on, like, one task at a time, so when, like, like the conference started, it was, like, for us very exciting, and, um <clears throat> like, all the years I've been here, we have a weekend that is, like, it's
0: UCLA and Purpodyne,
3: and it's always, like, a really fun
0: weekend. You end up uh, running through the gamut of Concordia and Grand Canyon. And then Stanford ends up being one of the most attended matches in BYU history. I'm not exactly sure why, other than, oh, I don't know, you guys were amazing. But the, the crowd showed up in that one. And, it, I mean, they're pulling back. Uh, the curtain and their people in the nether regions here what do you remember against stanford
4: I, I remember that uh, on monday of that week i was talking to felipe and i'm like dude i have this feeling that there's it's gonna be packed i know gonzaga like the basketball uh, team is gonna play gonzaga so it's gonna be you know fans are gonna want to go there but it's still gonna be packed but it's like oh, i don't know like trust me it's gonna happen and then we came here and all those people showed up and it was just like You know, I feel like everyone, everybody understood that we were having such a great season, and we were not gonna be home for a while playing here. So they were like, "Okay, that's our last chance to come," and that was just like probably the best game, like the funnest game I played at home here, because such like that big crowd is something that you're not, you don't play in
0: front of every day. So it was just a special day. You win that, you're 16 and 0. And we've set it all up to talk about Hawaii. It deserves its own segment, so we're going to give it to you. Coming up next, BYU number two in the country, Hawaii number one. The Cougars head to Honolulu for an epic matchup in what ends up being one of the most epic set of games in BYU history. That's coming up after the break on Unfinished Business.
1: Unfinished Business is presented by Brady Industries, Honestly Better, and Mountain America Credit Union guiding
0: you forward well march 5th the number one and number two teams in men's volleyball matched up in an epic matchup in hawaii byu number two hawaii number one and let's chat about what happened because these are some of the greatest volleyball matches ever played at byu and to help us do so will stanley from hawaii joins us on the show Uh, first team all-american did you guys text about Hey, first-teamers wear white. Was that a thing?
6: I mean, we, we said jeans. I don't know why Zach decided he wanted to wear khakis, and, I mean, the white's the way to go. So Zach just wanted to be the black sheep.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's talk about Hawaii. So you're from Hawaii. You go back. You haven't been back in a couple of years. But here you are in this epic matchup as the opposing setter against 10,000 uh, Hawaii fans there in the Stan Sheriff Center. What was that like?
6: Oh, no, it was, it was probably the, one of the best matches I've ever played in my entire life, like you said. I mean, it's... You get there and, and you know, you have, I've seen people that I haven't seen since high school. And, you know, you have your my old club coaches who were some of the assistants on the University of Hawaii. And then I remember going up to our first coin toss and the top ref shook my hand and said, hey, Will. And, like, I hadn't, I hadn't seen him since the state championship game my high school year. And, I mean, he still knew who I was. He's been following me. So it was really cool to just go home and, and see just friends, family, everybody that, you know, grew up, you know, helping me play volleyball and, and teaching me you know, what it meant to be a volleyball player and and being able to go into the Stan Sheriff Center and and play the way we did as a team for, you know, two nights over, you know, three matches and then a 5 set match and just kind of giving the people of Hawaii, you know, one of, you know, a great volleyball match. And I think that was all I could have ever asked for. And and it was definitely something that I always remember and, you know, hopefully tell my kids someday.
0: Sean, you've played in and coached in some big matches. This is 1v2. This is huge, but you guys hit 6.03 in that first one and have 10 aces, eight of which are from Gabi, and this is, I mean, maybe the greatest match ever played by a BYU team.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, that, at that point in the season to be able to have that matchup for the volleyball fans, for, you know, the, the, everybody that was a part of it... Um, it's just like you said, an epic matchup, and, and the fact that it was number one against number two. Both teams were undefeated at that point in the season. You know, well into the season, uh, it's got to be like I've said before at Stan Sheriff at Smithfield House. So we were excited to be there, and uh, credit to the guys. You mentioned their performance. They were locked in from the moment that we started that road trip. You know, you could see it, you could feel it. There was an excitement on the island from everyone, everyone, the community, an excitement with our guys, but they were locked in and focused uh, from the moment we got off the plane at, at the task at hand, you know, and they, they were feeling that confidence. They were very confident uh, in each other as a team going into that matchup, and, uh, and it showed in their performance and just a, a great performance right from the get-go, you know, from from the opening points of set one where it was 1-1, and then Gabby went back to the service line and, and, and it went from there. Having
0: eight aces against Mount Olive and them asking you to serve underhand is one thing. Having eight at Hawaii is another. So, Gabby, describe what it felt like to have that performance on that stage. I mean, uh, I mean, I told everybody, like, they asked me that, that uh, question, it's like,
3: It's another day in the office, you know, like, uh, it's my job. No, it's
0: not. It was 10,000 people (laughs) in Hawaii, bro. This was huge. But,
3: yeah, it's the same thing. Like, to be honest, like, I perceive things as, like, Sean brought me here to do something, and this is something. Like, this is what, like, the coaches brought me here for. So, um, and then that was a really, like, like, amazing experience, you know, as a playing at Hawaii and hearing all those fans, like, like, screaming at you because they want you to miss so bad. It's like something, like I said earlier, it's like, like when they talk trash, it's easier for me to do stuff. So, like, it was a fun experience to be there and, you know, do the job.
0: Davide, all three pin hitters go 10 kills, hit over 500. I mean, all three of you were clicking that night.
4: Yeah, that, I, I loved that night. I still remember, to, like, today is just everything kind of came together That during that game. I saw guys doing things that, like, I saw them do it before, but it was like during practice, they were doing that at at a very high level. Zach played like phenomenally, like it was just a very good all around performance by everyone and I I was happy because I was playing well, but mostly because I was seeing guys like Zach Aschenberg playing at that level it was just i know how hard he worked so seeing him in that situation i was just happy for him for will Gabby, everyone that played that night and even for all the guys that supported us so
0: and will you get the final point of the match what do you remember from that
6: um, well, i just remember that was the point where i knew it was colton was up with me and i i played club with colton my last year his last year of high school so we played together the other whole year and i knew you know i'm going in and, I wanted to, you know, it's me and have a little... We also, our birthdays are both March 4th. So we have the same birthday, and it was the day before that Thursday match. So we went into it, like, you know, it's going to be fun. Like, it's going to be, someone's going to win and have a good birthday. Someone's going to lose and have a not-so-good birthday. <laughs> and and I just remember on that last point going up, and I was like, oh, we're, we're going to joust for this point. Like, this is, it was so surreal in my mind. And, you know, I went up, and, and I just, you know, I went up late, and I got to push it in the court, and just tried to keep the ball in the court. And, it, you know, it just so happened that he didn't push in with me. So I just got able to push it straight down. But, I mean, that was, it was just, that's the way, you know, it ended. And I can't believe that. I was, I remember watching the game back and, and hearing the play-by-play announcer, Dan, you know, saying like, oh, the Punahou kid, you know, at the last point of the game. And, and that, to me, was just unbelievable, you know, just being able to do that at home and to finish that first game off, you know, it's great. I was struck by,
0: um the Hawaii State song as well, that you and your brother John were singing along with that. And that, that was a cool experience, being on the other side of the net.
6: Yeah, you know, we're, Hawaii's such a tight-knit community, and that's not just with, you know, volleyball players, just in general. You know, you, you grow up with, you know all your neighbors, you know everybody, you know, you go to high school, and all the people that were in your in your class, you know, and, and we just have this pride of being from Hawaii, and, and you know, it's such a small island, and, and being able to go out into the United States and, and represent the island itself and, and kind of that you know, pride it has. It was it was it's something you when you get to go home and and I remember my mom telling me, calling me a few days before, and she's like, "Oh, you better brush up on Hoi Pono'e because if you don't sing it, you you're gonna look like an idiot out there." <laughs> so and she was like, "The cameras are gonna be on you for sure. Like you better know the song." And I was like, well, "I haven't forgotten it. I mean, I I still it's it's the state song of Hawaii. So you know, and we sing it in high school all the time. So it." It's funny watching the other guys, because they sing the national anthem first, and then everyone's like, "Oh, okay, let's go back, and then they start singing another song, and everyone's and lines back up. But, no, I mean, it's just, you know, we all, being from that island, it's such a small island, to be able to, you know, make an impact somewhere else, when you come home, it's, it's just, it's the least you can do to just, you know, remember your roots and where you're from.
0: And there was some celebration in the locker room after this one, right? Well, that's a little bit. <laughs> okay, describe what
4: happened. That was... Uh, it was fun because we, we talked about how we would have reacted at the end of the game if we would have won, and we're like, okay, it's like if we win, it's just going to be another win for us. That's like a normal thing. So you guys are way
0: too focused for it's, me. It's, it's,
4: it's, today, this is 1v2. Yeah, this is 10,000 people. We had people. to be focused, so yeah. we just wanted to have it, like, celebrate, but, like, stay focused on the next game for the, the day after. So we won. We celebrated on the court, and then we got into the locker room, and we were talking very happy. We were talking about the game, but it was still normal. And then Sean came in and he had a bottle and he started spray everyone in the locker room. And that is when we, like, we had all the adrenaline and we just started to celebrate because we were very happy. We just tried to stay focused, but we
0: knew how
2: big that win was for us. So that was just very fun in that moment.
0: You gave them permission to let loose a little bit, yeah, essentially.
2: Yeah, they've got to. I mean, they play this, they've played this sport their whole life and they do it because they love it and they enjoy it and they have fun and I... I I felt that that was appropriate, but uh, we all stayed after and cleaned it up, you know, (laughs) uh, got the (laughs) towels and and cleaned it up. But I felt, you know, just all that work, all the season, these guys were focused. And that's a credit to the guys, what Davide is saying right there, because they were still focused. And I, I came in there and I said, yeah, forget this, you know, and I came in after the guys. They were all in there. I just had the water bottle and uh, just I was happy for him. You know, I was happy for these guys because they believed in each other. They had that confidence and it was an opportunity for them to just, you know, let loose for a couple minutes and celebrate with each other. And it became a cool moment. What a great moment for these guys, for sure.
0: Yet you do have that match the next day and uh, you fast forward to the next night. Even more fans in the stands for this one. 1917 Hawaii ends up winning this one after you guys are up two nothing uh, in the fifth set. Gabby, you set the single season record uh, to go up 13-11 uh, on, a, on a serve, 56 aces. What do you guys recall from that night, which ends up being the only loss of the season? In the fifth, in extras, by two to the number one team on the road. Um, yeah, like I I
3: was talking to a reporter the other day and I told him like um, first night first night against Hawaii we like. The statement, you know, like BYU's here like, and BYU's like like the best, like, in my opinion. And the second night was like, a, this is what everybody needs right now. You know, like they need to see BYU and Hawaii go out at each other at five sets overtime. Um, but it was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was uh, it a, uh, it's like uh, kind of like a blurry game because it's still like, it happened. It's like, it was so good that it, you cannot, you could barely um, think about it. But it was, it was insane. That, that was out of control. Like, every seat was, was taken, and everybody was screaming at the same time. And it was actually hard to hear Sean sometimes in the hall the because there were people behind us screaming. And then it was, a, it was a really fun and, like, out of control match, you know? Like, and it was, like, by far the best match I've played in my
0: college career. And I, I think I expected that the first night, right? So for, for that to be the second, night, was like, oh, yeah, okay. They went back and forth. But I felt like BYU won the weekend. I mean, the statement you made in the first match certainly was one thing, and, and Hawaii got the win. But h- how did you guys end up feeling about that match when all of a sudden...
6: Uh, I think the second match was we knew Hawaii was going to come out the second night and, and they were going to give us more. And I knew, knowing Hawaii fans and how, how much pride they have for their school, they were gonna, they're were going they not going to let us come in the first night do that and then the second night just not show up. And I mean... Hawaii volleyball is so big, and, and people wanted to come and just watch a good match. And I think that's what happened. You know, we came in, and and credit to Hawaii. They came out and made changes, and, and you know, they they executed well. And and we we played well, too. I don't think we had a bad match. I just think, you know, to, we're the one and two teams in the country for a reason. And, and Hawaii came out and, and played like the number one team in the country.
0: Sean, how did you feel about the weekend as a whole?
2: Yeah, you know, you look at the weekend, and... You know, proud of, uh, happy for these guys because, again, kind of a culmination of their work, proud, and, and it, as Will stated, it's what you would expect from the number one and two teams going at, going at each other. And so for our guys to be able to have that focus on the road in a tough environment, you know, uh, the guys the guys left that. They did not leave that road trip thinking, oh, man, we lost that match there at the end. The guys were even, in reality, they were more confident when they, when they left that weekend. You know, their their confidence was at an all-time high, ready to go into that second segment of conference because that's what it was. We did six, then we had that road trip, six, you know, our first half of conference, and we were just starting our second half of conference. And so the reality is those guys left that weekend uh, even more confident and better as a team for that experience.
0: BYU, three days later, goes from number two to number one, overtaking Hawaii. And here we go until COVID-19 ends the season. How the Cougars found out and how they dealt with it as unfinished business continues. Thursday, March 12th, BYU men's volleyball expected to go to Stanford and play and be the number one team and continue An amazing season, but it all came crashing down quickly, as we all found out with COVID-19 and its pandemic effect on the entire world. So guys, let's walk through that day, Thursday, March 12th. You're expecting to go to Stanford, and you go to the airport, and you don't end up getting on that plane. Sean, what happened from there?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, as Will explained, it was Will was looking through a Twitter feed, I think, and and they canceled the the Pac-12 basketball tournament, and... Stanford is a Pac-12 institution. And so they, I got, made a call to Costi, and said, hey, this Stanford's is head coach. Stanford's head coach. This is coming down the wire. We're 10, 20 minutes from boarding. Boarding, our bags are on, you know. And uh, hey, this is coming down the wire. Are we having a volleyball game tomorrow night? Which would have been Friday. And uh, Costi was, I think, driving to work and said, hold on, Sean, I didn't know. I haven't seen the news. Let me try to get a hold of my ID. I tried to get a hold of ours. Obviously, they were all on calls, you know, kind of in closed closed door meetings. And Costi uh, just called me back said, Sean, if that's the news, th- don't get on that plane. And so then we immediately go to Delta and go, please, please get these 30 bags off the plane. Uh, Cause we're, we're not getting on, we're not traveling uh, to Stanford. And, uh, and then we went from there with kind of just that day and the uncertainty with all the news. Cause there was so much from the NBA to the NCAA tournament and, and in all that, though, there was still hope. I was still thinking, it's just getting delayed. We're, we're going to work through this. Because for us, nothing was in there that said men's volleyball. And, and, and no one, none of us could understand or comprehend what was going on entirely. So I was like, okay, maybe this will get delayed. But uh, we just couldn't see the news. And then that evening after discussions with our administration, we had to unfortunately bring the guys into what, for me as a as a coach, and any of my experience has been hands down the toughest meeting i 've ever had to be a part of that night at about six thirty that evening Thursday. Gabby, what do you remember from that meeting?
3: Um, it was a very tough uh, meeting to be into um, before after the whole airport situation happened. Um, some of the guys decided we decided to go play uh, beach volleyball with each other to like keep ourselves in shape, uh, and then uh, Sean sends that message about like, hey guys." Uh, we need to meet, you know, and in the when we were playing beach, we saw, like, the text about, like, basketball canceling, like, all this, like, different uh, situations. And we got into that meeting, everybody's just talking and, you know, smiling and, uh, like, okay, we're a team, we're having kind of fun, we're here. And then Chunk comes in the room and, like, and you know, starts talking about the situation and uh, what's going to happen. And then, you know, like, the emotions were, like, all over the place, and it was, like, a very, like, sad and, like wow, like our season ended, you know, after all we did. After like, uh, I mean, after like waking up constantly at five in the morning and like running that hill, which was very tough sometimes. And, you know, like the season ended. But I, after that, well, like we, uh, I think the coaches did a really good job with us being like, control what you can control, like control the controllables. So at, the, at that moment, like the things I could control is like, how I'm going to take care of myself, you know, like we have to be quarantined, like stay in your house, wash your hands, like be really responsible with that. And I feel like the, that's another like thing why this team was so special because like we were very like, okay, like, let's control what we can and let's, you know, move on from this bad ha- things happening.
0: Davide, how did you deal with that then? And how are you dealing with it now? It was tough for me, you know.
4: After everything we've been through, as Gabby said, it was just, like, sad. And we I, I'm sure everyone felt the same. So right after I took, like, a week off where I just thought about the whole season, the whole process, and one of the things that I thought about is, like, man. And I said that to Will, I think. I said, dude, I don't care what anyone says. It was, like, it's wasted. All the work we've done, it's wasted. And I regret saying that because now, like, you know, now I... Came back from that moment, and I'm like, it's not wasted. We worked hard. We got so much better, and we built. So we know next year we're going to have to do it all over again. Is it going to be hard? Yes, it's going to be tough. But I'm happy I'm going to do it again with these guys, and it's going to be just as good as it was this year. So uh, right now for me it's just what's next. What can I do now? Can I start working working out now uh, at home with my things just to prepare for that? Yeah, and I'm doing that. So that's how I'm dealing with that.
0: Well, at first we thought, hey, this is it. You're done. But we find out later that you can come back, which is great. So how have you kind of dealt with that, knowing, hey, you're going to get another shot at it?
6: Yeah, no, the, the, the first, that meeting f- that night was, I remember when we didn't know, you know, the uncertainty, me, Zach, and Link, and Mickey, the, you know, the four of us that thought we were done, we just came out and we sit on this, like on this court. We just sat here and, and you know, talked about all the kind of memories we've had over the last four years. And, and that, I mean, it helped. I mean, you know, there were tears flowing and, and you know, just embracing each other and, and trying to stay in that, you know, reflect moment. But as I remember the day the NCA made the decision, like, hey, you know, spring sport athletes can come back. I think I called Zach like 10, 15 minutes after. I said, dude, like, are we doing it? Are we doing this? And, and you know, he said, yeah. And, and I just remember how excited we were. And Mickey was in the room with me. So, you know, and, and Link, we're ball roommates. So we all were able to talk about it and, and you know, just kind of say, hey, like, we can do this again and we're going to do this again and, and the only way we can do this is to, you know, move forward with what we can do and, and I, I mean, I like what Gabby and David have been saying and, and we've kind of preached it all year. It's just, what can we do to make ourselves better? And I think right now that's, you know, getting in our workouts however we can. Going, I know like Gabby was talking about, he goes on runs now and I mean, if you knew Gabby, you know running isn't his strong suit. <laughs> so the fact that he's going out and doing that and running all the time, I mean, it's it shows the culture we built this year and just kind of what you know, BYU volleyball is now, and, and we, we built something strong, and, and, you know, we're hoping that we can keep this foundation into next year and, and just kind of build on it, like Davide said, and, and get better and be that same team that we were this year again next year.
0: Well, hence the name of this show, Unfinished Business, because 2021 could be the finished business season. Perhaps there's a follow-up to this. But the three of you, congratulations on an amazing season, first-team All-Americans. Uh, it was very fun to watch. Trust me, Steve Hale and I are the... Uh, biggest fans of the program as we get to sit and just watch this. So congratulations and thanks for the time.
2: Thank, Thank you. you.
0: Thank you so okay, much. Sean, stick around for the next segment. Okay. Coming up, Steve Vale will join us. We will discuss where this team fits in BYU history. Are they the best? Are they number two as Unfinished Business rolls on? Welcome back to Unfinished Business, the story of the 2020 BYU men's volleyball team. Rejoining us is Steve Vale, Sean Olmstead. Let's finish with this. Where does this team fit in... BYU men's volleyball history. There have been some great teams. Sean, you played on uh, two national championship teams. I feel like the 99 team is the best team ever at BYU. How do you guys feel? Agree.
2: Agree I think, with that I statement. Right.
0: Okay, so they're number one. Where where does the conversation start? Is, is this 2020 team in the conversation for number two? You, you coached this team, Sean. What do you think?
2: Um, yeah, and I was fortunate to be a part of uh, some national championship teams. 2001. Uh, Hector Redshirted, uh, Hector LeBron redshirted the 2000 season to be able to come back with some guys, give some guys experience that shows the the uh, the smarts in Carl McGowan, you know, to convince Hector to do that. And I was Hector's roommate. And it wasn't just, uh, hey, you're going to redshirt. That was a tough decision for Hector to make. But Carl had a plan with that group. Hey, give these guys some experience. We're going to be really good. And so that team was really, really strong with Mike Wall. I think that year he was the final four player of the year. Um, Hector LeBron, I think, was NCAA player of the year, and that might have been back-to-back junior and senior years, if I'm not mistaken. Joaquina Costa on the outside, Fernando Pessoa playing libero. That was a really, really strong team. But uh, it's one of those things in sports. We'd love an opportunity to put this group up against those teams because I think they would do a great job. You know, they have the pieces. We've got guys that can bring it from the service line. Our ball control was uh, getting better and better and better, and we saw that, you know, and so being able to handle the the serves and uh, our blocking was pretty disciplined, and our attacking, Will ran a really nice offense, you know, out of service, even in transition, front row, back row, and so it'd be fun, and I think that take that 99 team because I think that is the best team that BYU's ever had in, in men's volleyball. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that this team can go compete with any of the other teams, and that'd be a really fun matchup to see. And Listen, when we die, that's what I want to see. I want to <laughs> see stuff like that. That'd be fun. Steve, what do you
0: think? Where does 2020 fit?
1: <clears throat> well, the the current players, I think, are still in the building, so I'm going to say they're number two, easy. <laughs> maybe, maybe number one. No, I think uh, I, I love what Sean just said, and it's very true, and it's, and it's hard, because I've I've been in the area and been friends with most of the guys that have come through here. I used to play a ton of outdoor volleyball with a lot of them. I'm just saying these guys in in the to what happened this year. Man, they've got a strong argument to be to be, you know, one of the greatest volleyball teams ever for BYU. It's just a sad and unfortunate thing that we never got to see it come to fruition.
0: There are a few things in this team's favor. One is the schedule. Two is the record. Uh, three is going to Hawaii and doing what you did. There's one loss all season, Sean, and it's by the smallest of margin, in extras, in the fifth, by two. Like, that's the the best way you could lose, if you will, at number one. And then you have three first-team All-Americans. You have the National Player of the Year. I mean, this was one of the greatest seasons in BYU history. I'm not sure how we can uh, you know quantify it in this way, and we're trying, but this is a team I think we'll remember forever, not just because of COVID nineteen, but yeah. because of the way they played.
2: And 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 I keep going back to those guys are, are kind of what what bring the special sauce, and and they they were the ones that did it. You know, they you're talking about that record and that loss on the second night at Hawaii by by the smallest of margins. You know, and uh, so they they've got the resume to you know definitely considering the everything going on and 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 the finality of the season and how it how it came out to play uh, that we've gotten into and and spoken of they they can be proud at what they did and and they're going to be i tell these guys all the time hey this your time here at byu that's your story you know how are you going to write your story what are you going to do individually what are you going to do as a team and they've written a tell that's uh one that you can read for years, you know, and, and it's exciting that they get to put it into this production. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for them. And, and they definitely can go into those banquets of, you know, maybe 20 years down the road. And we bring in all the volleyball alumni. They can walk in, you know, with their shoulders back and their heads held high. And, well, there's, there's the, this team, you know, from this year. And uh, that's who those guys are.
0: The story was certainly special, and uh, we appreciate your tremendous coaching. You should have won national coaching the year, by the way. Absolutely. If we I... could vote, we would have voted for you. Right. Buddy. We're for
1: homers, me. but still, we totally you yeah, yeah. for yeah. the guy. It
0: was a great <laughs> season, Sean. We really appreciate the time. Thank you guys for everything, always. And Steve, of course, any chance to hang out with you is the best time for me. For me thanks. too, man. And for the rest of the men's volleyball team, thanks to those guys. What a season 2020 was. That'll do it for us. My name's Jerem Jordan. This has been Unfinished Business, the story of the 2020 BYU men's volleyball team. So long. I found a great
4: organization.